Once I wandered in sin's black night, and there was no way I could make my wrongs right. Then that old accuser to the Lord did cry, He is a sinner, and now he must die. And it's still the blood that saves from sin, and it's still the blood that cleanses within from the highest star in heaven to the depths of the sea it is still the blood of jesus that brings victory to me there are those who rely on the works that they do and some men count on the times they pray through but when the battle's over and my last song is sung i'll go home through the blood of my father's precious son and it's still the blood that saves from sin and it's still the blood that cleanses within from the highest star in heaven to the depths of the sea it is still the blood of jesus that brings victory to me and it's still the blood that saves from sin and it's still the blood that cleanses within from the highest star in heaven to the depths of the sea it is still the blood of jesus that brings victory to me from the highest star in heaven to the depths of the sea it is still the blood of jesus that brings victory to me Amen. Well, let's take our Bible tonight. Turn over to the book of Psalm, chapter 127. Psalm 127, beginning in verse 1. And we're going to read this passage, and it's not an unusual one. It's uh, one that uh, often read uh, during our uh, baby uh, dedication services, but we have a little different twist today. 127 in the book of Psalm, and then we're going to look at verses uh, one through five, the chapter there. We're going to move quickly tonight. I've already given the nursery a heads up to have the children all changed and ready to go by no later than 10 till. Aren't you encouraged already? All right, so here we go. Let's put our seatbelts on and move along. Psalm 127, verse 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman worketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. 
Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Father, we ask, Lord, you'd bless us in these next few minutes. May our hearts be encouraged. I pray, Lord, for the families that will be dedicating children as well as each family represented here tonight. Lord, we want to know uh, and be the best we can possibly be at raising our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We just want to honor you. We want to please you. Now, Lord, we'll thank you for that. We'll give you the glory for it in Christ's name. Lord, I pray that you would just fill me with your Holy Ghost and allow me to be your mouthpiece. I pray you'd be with the people of God and may we hear with spiritual ears. Oh, God, I need you tonight. Just pray for your leadership. Help me, Lord, to be a blessing to your people. I have nothing to offer them except you give it to me first. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so this is an amazing and marvelous passage, of course. Right off the bat in verse 1, we note the necessity of dependence upon God. He says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the, 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 the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It's obvious, according to the passage, that we must be dependent upon the Lord. And so we see that right off the bat in verse 1. But also, as we continue on in verse 2, it says, It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. We note the absence of rest when we seek to accomplish things on our own. So we see right off the bat that there's a necessity for the dependence, our dependence upon God. But if we're not dependent upon God and instead we're seeking to accomplish things on our own, we're not going to find the rest that we seek. The Lord, of course, tells us in the book of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he lets us know that uh, he come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. When we look anywhere else but the Lord for rest, we really don't find true rest. Then we see here in verses 3 through 5, we note the most prized possession in a home where children are present. Where children are present in a home, we note the most prized possession. And that prized possession is none other than the children that are there. If there are children in the home, then they are the most prized possession in the home. I mean, the psalmist, again, is turning his attention to the home here. He's been talking about this need to be dependent upon God, to accomplish things in the power and the presence of the Lord Jesus. And then we see here that he says, now listen, when it's all said and done, these children, they're given to you by God as well. There's nothing you're going to be able to do. There's no successes you're going to uh, ever experience except it be within the context of Christ and in the context of God. And so here we have that the most valuable thing in your home then is what God's given you by way of these children if that's indeed what you, if you have children in your home. So they outweigh any amount of things we may accumulate or mass. So seeing the children in the home are our most prized possession and greatest asset, there can be no question as to the importance of investing greatly in their lives then. Our investment will certainly include financial sacrifices. If you've had any children at all, you know that it costs money. It's not cheap. The presence, uh, their presence will demand a significant portion of our time and our energy. You can't get around that. If you're going to do right by your children, it's going to require some sacrifice financially. It's going to sacri- uh, uh, require some sacrifice as far as the uh, literal time and effort that you're placing into them. But one of the most overlooked investments that I believe is absolutely and unequivocally necessary in the life of our youngsters is leadership. 
That's something that they desperately need. And I think it's something that we have to really focus on and something that we need to really work at. Um, sometimes we get the idea that, you know, we just put a roof over our kids' heads and they should just, it should be fine. I've done my job. But we need to literally invest in their life and we need to invest leadership in their life. They need leadership. And this leadership needs to be demonstrated by both mom and dad. But may I say this, especially dad. It especially needs to be expressed there. Instead of speaking about leadership tonight, though, and I don't want to get into a, a leadership uh, a lesson, I just want to ask a couple of questions and answer those questions to some degree, because of time, we can only go into it very briefly. But I'm going to try to be very practical. I think sometimes that in the attempt to be spiritual, we can, if not careful, overlook the practical. See, the spiritual is always practical. Practical isn't always spiritual necessarily, but when it's spiritual, it will be practical. And so I want to try to be as practical as I can be tonight, just over the next few minutes. As we answer this, this, these questions, here they are, here they are, two questions now, real simple. We got a load of children being uh, dedicated tonight. We, we have 13, okay? So there's a good group of parents here. There's an, a good group of folks that are here. And I think all of these things can be helpful to all of us. But I did want to spend a few minutes and address these questions. Here they are. How does leadership look in the home and what does it produce? How does leadership look in the home and what does it produce? You know, we're often told what we need to do all the time, but we're not really sure exactly how to get it done, right? So I want to just say, what does leadership in a home look like where there are children? What, what, what does it produce? So let's get right to it. First of all, biblical leadership promotes confidence in a child's life. When there's, a biblical, when there's biblical leadership, it's going to produce confidence or promote confidence in a child's life. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Well, we know what the passage is referring to. It's talking about financial support. It's talking about being there to provide for the family in a very practical, very, uh, uh, very uh, um, uh, physical way even. So I guess, you know, uh, how, does that, how does that manifest itself in the home? How does that look? Well, there's that, conf that confidence, they have a confidence that they never have to worry about, about their needs being met. Children should not be afraid that they're not going to have food on the table. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to have everything they want. That's not the issue. But your children should not go to bed hearing you talk about how bad it is and that we're lucky, we'll be lucky if we can even eat tomorrow. Now, you might want to get with your children and pray and say, now, listen, we're going to trust God to provide for us. We're running low, and Mommy and Daddy are praying, and we're asking God to provide for us. That's one thing, but hold on. There, you should never breed in your child a fear. Your children should always just know, somehow, some way, Daddy's going to do whatever it takes to make sure we're okay. That's how it ought to be. And again, you know, there may be extenuating circumstances, like I say, if, if, if we're occupied by a foreign nation or something, and all of a sudden, you know, life just turns upside down, then maybe we're all going to be in trouble. But right now in the world we live in, the Bible's pretty clear that you and I as biblical leaders are to provide for our children in a very physical, very, uh, uh, a very practical way. 
That doesn't mean that they have the newest tennis shoes, and that doesn't mean that they have to have the nicest home to live in, nor does it mean your car has to run all the time. What it does mean, though, is that your children have a confidence in you as a dad and as you as a mom to meet needs in their life, and they don't always go around fretting and worrying and getting ulcers in their stomach just because they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. They shouldn't be, that should not be their concern. They should be confident that everything's going to be all right. That things are just going to be okay. That life as a kid is simple. I just do what I do. And mom and dad take care of me. That's how it ought to be. And sadly enough, that's not always the case, it seems to me. Sometimes parents are so quick to talk around their children or share things with their children that they just don't need to know. And, and, and our children are already, we live in a culture and a society that is breeding fear at every turn. The last thing our children need in our biblical homes is more fear. God is not the author of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So, first of all, if we're going to, um, it, it, we said, how does leadership look in the home? What does it produce? Well, biblical leadership promotes confidence in a child's life that they never really have to worry about their needs being met. They're not concerned about that. They just trust that mom, dad are taking care of business and it's always been there, always will be there. And the day it's not there, they'll be shocked. What's going on? But they will not live in fear because they will not be expected to bear that burden. And they'll have confidence that everything's going to be all right. Just they take care of business. Mom and dad handle things. Biblical leadership reminds a child of some things. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Timothy 3.10. I, I usually want to give you plenty of time to get there, but we are really, i got to move. i got like a list of 40 of these. No, I'm teasing. But anyway, 2 Timothy 3.10. I'm going to start, and you get there if you want. And if you don't want to get there, just listen. But, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, Purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. So I think we can see from the passage there's a few things that a child, uh, children ought to be reminded of, and biblical leadership will do this. It'll remind them that God is real. By observing your life, by observing my life, just like the Apostle Paul said to his protege or his son in the faith, Timothy, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. You've seen it lived out before your very eyes. You know that I'm the real deal, and I'm the real deal because I serve a real God. And, and that's what we see. And so it, it, that ought to be the case. They ought to be reminded through our, our spiritual leadership here and leadership in the home that God is real, but also that God is first in the home. I mean, church attendance is not something that ought to be, uh, you know, um, dependent on um, convenience. It, it shouldn't be optional. I'm amazed at Christian parents who will let their teenagers stay home while they go to church. How could that ever happen in a, if there's biblical leadership? It won't happen. Okay, I'm, not, I'm just saying, I mean, that just doesn't happen. I mean, there's, there's, there's going to be organized Bible in the home. 
There ought to be some sense of devotions in your home where dad and mom sit down with children and we discuss or talk about the word of God. It doesn't have to be every day, but there ought to be some sense where your children know that a couple, at least two or three or four times a week, we're getting together and we're going to talk about God and his word because God is first in our home. He takes priority. Biblical leadership reminds a child that God is good all the time. The Apostle Paul, he says even what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. God's always been good to deliver me, Timothy. You've seen that firsthand. And our children ought to recognize that no matter how dark the storm clouds may be or how difficult the times may come in our lives, that we can count on God and he is good all the time. There's this idea of joy. You know, we talk about joy in our lives. But did you know the Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Boy, if we don't have joy today, we are weak. And boy, God wants us to be men and women of joy. A consistent spirit of joy and purpose ought to be demonstrated in a, an attitude of biblical leadership. Even if we face tragedy, they must see us coping and dealing with that tragedy from the standpoint of hope and not hopelessness. I mean, it's amazing. Listen, we are Christians, and guess what we have as Christians? We have hope of everlasting life. I am amazed. It blows my mind when someone in the Christian faith passes away, and a husband, a wife, or a family member, and other family members that are Christian fall apart in front of their children. I don't get it. I don't get it. We are Christians. We have hope. I'm not saying you don't cry. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying and don't be going and judging me. But I'm telling you this. Your children ought to learn how to cope with death. And they ought to learn how to cope with it in the biblical manner and fashion. Yes, there's a time of grieving and there is a time to rent your heart out to God. But friend, I'm telling you as parents, you do not, don't let them see you in hopelessness. Man, you don't want them to do that. Mom and dad, you might need to just go cry in your room and not let your children see you broken all the time. Your heart may be breaking, but you can't let your, see your, your children can't watch you be broken. Not all the time. Parents go around, can't function, can't work, can't do anything. Step back from church, step back from their responsibilities in life because they can't cope or deal with the loss of a pet or the loss of a child or the loss of a family member or the loss of a friend. We are Christians. We have hope. It's different. You lose a lost family member that doesn't know Christ, there's reason to be brokenhearted. But as believers, we can look to the heavens and say, we know, we know that to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And our children need to know that. Mommy is hurting. Mommy's having a hard time. She just lost her mommy. You can't imagine. That's hard. But... We have hope. Oh, Jesus is good to us because grandma's in heaven today. Amen. Biblical leadership insists. Let me, before I say that, turn to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Have you ever watched that? Just, I'm just kind of curious. Have you ever watched an old Western? I mean, way back, the old ones? 
And I'm just going to throw this out because I, I feel like we're emotionally unstable today in our country. Well, people are falling apart all the time. We need medication for everything. Hold on. Have you ever watched movies from the past? People die in the movies and what happens? Well, they're dead. Let's move on. Let the dead bury the dead, right? Wait a second. I think I heard that in the Bible. All I'm saying is, have you ever noticed how they dealt with things in the past compared to what we deal with them like today? Are we really that much more advanced than them? Or is it that we have just become more sensitive? We have too much time to think about things because we're not just trying to make enough money to scrape up enough money to live. We have way too much time to look on the internet, to listen to those songs that are sad, to, just to, to watch a movie that breaks my heart. Oh, it reminds me of my... Get out and work for 12 hours a day and you'll come home and sleep. Those guys had to live. Those ladies had to live from day to day. Man, they're working 16 hours a day. They were lucky just to make it. Lose their children over there on the plains. You know what they said? They said they had multiple children. You know why they had multiple children in those days? Because they lost so many of them. It wasn't uncommon to lose children in those days. When people were crossing America trying to establish this country, they'd have 8 and 10 and 12 kids because they'd lose 3 and 4 of them. We don't know what loss is. It's amazing. I'm just saying, we've got to learn to suck it up a little bit, and we need to give our children some hope, not heartache all the time. Anyway, biblical leadership insists on things. Look at this, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, 8, 8 through 10. For by grace you say through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If I said, what's that pointing to, or what's that addressing, most people would say, that's salvation. We see salvation there. Okay, that's good. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what? Unto what? Good works, which God hath before what? Ordained that we should walk in them. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you know what? You got, you got saved. You trusted Christ as your savior. You got in the family. And you know what you get to do now that you're in the family? Work. You get to participate. Right? That's a biblical principle. You're in the household of faith. You get to exercise that faith by working and joining the rest of the believers and reaching the world of the gospel. Everybody has a job. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has to be plugged in and involved. So, biblical leadership insists that everyone participate in the family. No one gets to retreat to their bedroom. Nobody gets to have their own little life. We're a family and we function as a family. Oh, you'll have some private time. You'll have opportunities to do some things on your own. But hold on. We're a family. It's a privilege to sit out here. Oh, you don't like what's going on out in the living room? Too bad. You're part of the family. You get to join us. We brought you into the world. And we want to share your life with you. And that's not something you have to beat your kids up with. You have a good time in your home. You laugh and you have fun and you share times together. They'll want to spend time with you. But too many times in the home, the, home, the homes that we have in America, it seems like the children go one way, the parents go another way, and we wonder why there's this generation gap. You know a generation gap is not biblical? We do know that there have been some in the earlier generations that did despise the older people. We see that with Jeroboam, 
who would not listen to the old men. Instead, he went out seeking those of his own peers to just give advice. And guess what kind of advice they gave him? Bad. Horrible advice. Teach your young people, your children alike, to spend time with the family. They must participate with the family. We're going to grandma's house. Well, I don't want to go. Huh? Can't hear you. Everybody's supposed to be in the car already. Well, yeah, but I'd have a fight on my hands. If that's what it takes, so be it. But guess what? Everybody ought to be participating. If we're all in the family, then we ought to be participating. That's what biblical leadership does. Biblical leadership insists that everyone pulls their weight. Listen, I, I, I don't believe that children ought to be raising kids in the family. I think mothers ought to be doing that. I do. And as the kids, your family grows and gets bigger and the daughter gets older, by all means, let them help out. But mom still should be mom. Mom shouldn't be sitting eating bonbons watching television while the kids are over there taking care of each other. I mean, and I'm not saying, that's not what I'm saying it's happening, but we see evidence of things where moms don't want to do mom things anymore. Dads don't want to do dad things. But when we get part of the family, then everyone needs to pull their weight. Hey, listen, that daughter, even that son, can clean a few dishes here and there. They can have some chores. They can make their beds. They can clean their rooms. Everybody's participating. Everybody's pulling their own weight. Biblical leadership looks like that in the home. It's very practical. Because, see, when you get in the family of God, you're expected to pull your weight. Biblical leadership insists that everyone put on a smile. Everybody's happy in this home. We're happy. We got joy, joy of the Lord. Only a good attitude's acceptable here. We discipline for bad attitudes. We want positive attitudes here. I'm telling you, I, I hear stories, not so much from our church folks, but folks that I've talked to through the years, that, man, I mean to tell you, it is a nightmare living in the home they're living in. My children are so angry all the time. They're so mean and nasty to me. I'm thinking, well, whose fault's that? It's the school system's fault. No, it isn't. It's the government's fault. No, it isn't. It's our society's fault. No, it isn't. It's their friend's fault. No, it isn't. It's your fault for letting them be so influenced by the culture, so influenced by their friends, and have so much going on with them that they're not with you enough to have a good time, have a good attitude. Cut that off. You know what? Take that phone and smash it. Just smash it. Or at least sell it and get something out of it. Everybody puts on a smile. That's what biblical leadership insists. Hey, we don't put up or tolerate that attitude in this home. We're not doing that. You want to do that, we're going to have a round. Go around a little bit. We're going to take care of that one. See, that isn't how, you don't do that. Okay. And that's why you're having problems. You got to take care of it. It's called business. It's called biblical leadership. Because God, when we get out of line, what's he do with us? Brings us back in. Because he knows what's best for us. It's not being out there. It's being in here, so to speak. Okay, let, let me give you just a couple more real quick. So we've got to move. The nursery's counting on me. <laughs> Biblical leadership 
demonstrates, and we already touched on this one a little bit, but it demonstrates that God is real. Not only real, but real to the parent. Again, evidence of a relationship with God where you, you, they see, they know mom and dad are reading the word of God. They're praying. They're, they're, they're faithful to church themselves. They're consistent in their Christian living. But wouldn't, wouldn't it be sad for you to limit what your children are watching on television? You draw these lines in the sand. Uh-uh, this isn't a children's show. This is an adult show. It's a what? It's a, what, what kind of show? Well, this adult show. When you're an adult, you can watch this one. Oh, so you mean there's two different standards? We're not talking about documentaries. We're not talking about something that's teaching somebody about something that they need to deal with and it just happens to show something a little technical and kids don't need to see that yet. They're a little too young to understand what's going on. And, and, and we're not talking about something educational. But we're watching shows and they put their ear to the door and they hear people cussing. And they go, wait a second. So when you're an adult, you get to listen to that and watch those kind of movies. And when you're a kid, you get to watch and listen to these kind of movies. So there's a difference. So children have a different standard than adults. And then we wonder why when they become teenagers, they don't want to obey the rules. You treat me like a little kid. I'm not a little kid anymore. I should be allowed, and they're not saying it, I should be allowed to watch those movies now. I should be allowed to go here with my friends. I ought to be allowed to think like this and do these things now because I'm an adult now. Because there's a two-tier system. I just, I, I, I tell you what, that I don't think that you should be watching, nor should I be watching the things our kids can't watch. That's just how it is. It's, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, they used to say. And I have no idea what that means. But, but, but that's sure, that's what we used to say. But they can see you're real. You're real. And as a result, they say, God's real to my parents. And, and not only that, but biblical leadership demonstrates that there's a right and a wrong. Our world doesn't do that anymore. They call good evil and evil good, but we say, no, they're still right and they're still wrong. Matter of fact, Proverbs 16.25 says, There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. In Psalm 18.30 it says, As for God, his way is perfect, the word of the Lord is tried, he's a buckler to all those that trust in him. So we have man's way that leads to destruction, we have God's way that's perfect, there is two different roads, there's two different paths, there's two different ways to travel, and honestly, there is a right and a wrong way, and that's what God's Word teaches us, and biblical leadership makes sure that their children know there are things that are right, there are things that are wrong. The gray area is not nearly as large as we'd like to believe. It's really not. If you got a lot of gray in your life outside of the clothing you wear, you're in, or the hair on your head. You got problems, okay? Okay, and then biblical leadership demonstrates that everyone is accountable to God. Everyone's accountable to God. Mom and dad, if we're going to be biblical leaders in our homes, then the children need to know we're accountable to God. Okay, we expect them to be accountable to us, the children, but the truth is we're accountable too. Maybe not to them, no, not in that sense, but to God. And if you really want to get technical, we are accountable to them in one sense. Not that they tell us what to do, but that it affects how we live our lives and what we do because we are accountable to them and their needs. Everybody's accountable to God. Ecclesiastes 12, 14, For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Everybody. We're all accountable to God. 
Not one person's going to escape that accountability. Not one. Finally, biblical leadership inspires. Biblical leadership inspires a love for God. It inspires faith in God. It inspires faithfulness to God. What you love as a parent will often be what your children learn to love too. So because of time, let me conclude. Biblical leadership is paramount. It's absolutely necessary. But biblical leadership is very practical. It produces some practical, visible results. I I mean, to think that we can live in our homes in peace, that our children can live without fear, that we can rule our homes the way God intended and do it with love and and concern and, and our children are happy and have joy in their life and Everybody gets along and there's actually peace. That, that, is, that is the standard for the Christian home. That is not like, wow, you're lucky. No, everybody that names the name of Christ is to have those things. But there must be biblical leadership exhibited. Will you exhibit... And will you display biblical leadership, spiritual leadership? Because that's really the need of our day in our homes as Christians. The world does not or is not providing the kind of leadership young people need today as a whole. But Christians ought to be expressing and extending biblical leadership to the home, the family, and it ought to be showing in a very practical way. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for what you've done for us and all you do. And Lord, today, we're asking that, Father, you would help us as Christian parents uh, and, and, and as grandparents and as just Christians in general to be examples to the next generation. Lord, they're watching and they're looking to find something that's genuine and real. Lord, I, I wouldn't, if I was lost today without Christ in my life, I, I wouldn't want nothing with a religion or a faith that doesn't produce commitment and dedication on the part of its followers. If, if, if we're not going to be genuine and real as parents in our home, why would our children believe that what we're doing is what's best for them? Help us, Lord, to literally lead in a biblical fashion. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for that.